1: Hello and welcome to Gunfighter Life, the podcast where we talk about gunfighting the right way, Judeo Christian values, and real world first hand experience. Today we're going to be talking about what makes a gunfighting gun. Not me telling you, here's the top five models of best gunfighting guns ever, but for you, what makes. A gun, a good gunfighting gun, as opposed to a range toy, a collectible firearm, a man accessory, thing you wear to a barbecue that looks flashy. And I'm not putting those other things down, but but what makes a great gunfighting firearm? That's what we're going to talk about today on Gunfighter Life. An episode I think that is so... Important. I like to have fun with you guys and talk about the best five polymer striker fired handguns or classy guns, but I think this one is core. And because of that, I'm going to take a little bit of a financial hit here. I'm going to take the ads out. I'm going to put this one out without allowing it to be monetized by commercials, at least on my end. How important I think this episode is going to be. Hopefully, you think so as well. With that, I'm going to plug in the bio because. I want you to understand the real-world, first-hand experience God's given me, and then we'll get into the topic. So, who am I? Who is this person talking to you from across the internet? Why should you listen? First and foremost, I am a Christian, a servant of God, and a follower of Jesus Christ. God has blessed me to do many things in my life for I could do nothing apart from Him. U.S. Marine Corps combat veteran. Did a couple of tours in Iraq. As an assaultman after my combat tours, I was an urban warfare instructor for the Marine Corps under Mojave Viper. Also served in the U.S. Army, both full-time and part-time National Guard. Also did several years in law enforcement, LAPD. I worked regular assignments and more specialized assignments. Been a private contractor for a three-letter government agency. That's all I'll say about that. Been blessed to be a state rifle and pistol champion. And West Coast regional rifle champion. One more shooting competitions with the talent that God's given me than I can actually remember. Was blessed to be the commander of a tactical team in a large metropolitan area. Our primary job, the reason we primarily existed, was to stop active shooters. I got the opportunity to head up and be the commander of that team. I grew up around guns, hunting and shooting, and competing at a very early age. I've been blessed to hunt all over this beautiful country from whitetail on the east coast to mule deer on the west coast and bear and elk and all manner of things. I've even been a professional big game hunter and guide. But again, most importantly, I'm a Christian. And I am your host, Michael Molito. Welcome to the podcast. All right. So, I said I wasn't just going to give you the best 5 models of gunfighting handguns and gunfighting rifles and gunfighting shotguns because it's a very personal thing. The first thing I'm going to mention are mission parameters. What are the mission parameters? What are you trying to do? I'll give you a couple of examples. I was the commander of a tactical team to stop active shooters. You probably heard that in the bio. Sometimes the mission called for my team, myself, to have a fighting rifle. We didn't always carry rifles. Sometimes we were undercover, covert. When we carried a rifle, missions changed. If I was, let's just say sometimes as a commander, I like to be in view and have a good visual over... Let's call it the battlefield, or potential battlefield. I like to see where my guys were, where threats might appear. As that, I might have been by myself or with somebody else in Overwatch. An Overwatch position, a designated marksman's position. For that role, my SCAR 17 was a good choice. Also on roles when we had a designated threat of vehicle ramming, like that was a real threat. That was likely in the arena that we were at for vehicle I would choose a SCAR-17. It's a 308. It's, I think, a better tool for that. However, sometimes, if I was going to be walking around for who knows how long with a gun on my back or on my front, or I was doing vehicle ops and I wanted to be highly mobile, my what now is, I guess they considered an SBR, but the AR pistols, SBRs, I would have a very specific short-barreled AR. Because it was a better tool for the job. Both are great gunfighting rifles. One houses a magnified optic, one houses a red dot. I'm sure you can guess which one. One is not better than the other, but one is certainly better than the other for certain missions. So what are the mission parameters? You have to define that for yourself. What are you trying to accomplish? And I especially, by God's grace, was given a lot of freedom and liberty when I was forming this tactical team to stop active shooters. I was the one that wrote the... Policies and procedures. I wrote the policies for what guns, handguns, rifles people could have or not have. And I put in certain parameters. But I let them choose the handguns they wanted to run. I had been around long enough to know what a horrible policy I thought it was to, oh, everybody's going to carry a Glock 19. Some people don't shoot a Glock 19 as well. And if you're a good shooter, if you're a master handgun shooter, you can rock a Glock 19. I can shoot a Glock I can shoot it very well but you know what I can't shoot it as well as my STI I can't shoot it as well as my MMP if I'm training if my goal is to stop active shooters if my goal is to have an effective fighting force to stop evil do I want my team armed with whatever Glock 19 should work or do I want them armed with what they can shoot the best what they can eliminate the threat the fastest with There's an active shooter taking one life, another life, a six-year-old girl, a 12-year-old girl, an 86-year-old woman. Every second, do I want my guy showing up with a gun? He's the best with, most accurate, fastest shooting with. Just what I felt like was a good choice that we could mass issue to everybody. I chose, and I could have done either. I chose to let my guys carry what they wanted to carry. I did give certain parameters. I wasn't going to let them carry anything ridiculous. So that was weeded out by we had a very demanding qual. I'm not talking about like most police quals where it's kind of a check the box thing. Like, I mean, you had to be on your game. Even good shooters. If you failed the second time, like you got one attempt. If you failed your second attempt, you might be out of a job. You might be able to have another shot at it, but might not. It was a demanding qual. It was a demanding job. I put in the requirements that I had to get through. X amount of rounds or X amount of things with X amount of malfunctions. I wrote that they could carry common handgun rounds but I encouraged them to carry 9mm by if they carry 9mm we the organization would provide the ammo but if they wanted to carry another caliber I would let them and sometimes I would as well for handguns. If they wanted to carry something else they had to supply their ammo. I put a parameter that it had to be carried by some military law enforcement organization they couldn't just pick some crazy whatever the new acronym super high velocity crazy construction round they wanted they had to get a proven round but I'll give you another example mission specific my go-to duty gun was generally an STI 2011 for almost everything but sometimes I would carry my Colt M45 if you don't know what that is it's a beautiful 45 ACP Marine Corps issued 1911 recently parted with that gun because I didn't want to take money away from the podcast and sold that gun but sometimes I would carry that gun why sometimes I wanted a 45 sometimes I would carry it with hard cast plus P ammunition because sometimes although I think 9 is the best in general sometimes I thought that was a better tool for the job does it have 7 to 10 rounds of capacity yeah does my STI have 26 rounds of capacity yes it does is that relevant in most missions? No. Sometimes I felt the benefits of that big heavy hard cast bullet were more beneficial. Going back to that vehicle ramming incidents. All that to say what are your mission parameters? What are you? For you that might be concealed carry. For you it might be a truck gun. You're trying to figure out I'm going on a road trip, or I drive every day and I might end up quite a ways away from home if something bad happens, I want a legit truck gun. Maybe for you that's a Glock 20 and 10mm. Maybe for you that's a Remington 870, Do you know how to hunt and you live in a rural area and you want to put food on the table, no matter what happens. What are your mission parameters? What are you trying to do? I'm not going to tell you what gun you should pick if I don't know you. You should be able to discern and decipher for yourself what's best for you. Not what the next gun tuber says is the best new hot gun that you need the new Croatian bullpup rifle that you just gotta have for your vehicle or the next cool gun that's Cerakoted and new to the market in fact I would say most of those are disqualified getting into the next criteria proven if you've listened for any length of time you'll know my general rule because I've gotten burned like this before a gun platform model i like to have been out for at least three years. Three years. Before all consider it as a gunfighting gun. Why? Because guns come out all the time, even from good manufacturers, that have issues. There's... I can't think of a single manufacturer that hasn't had that happen with a new model that had issues. Glock. For being super reliable, and in general they are, but some of their new models when they first come out, they have issues. Sig... Right, the 320 when it first came out, it could go off. Going back to I like to stick stay away from new models the first three years they come out. I recently got reminded of this, my own rule from my patron. I'm looking, if you don't know, to go to Alaska to see what... Well, my wife and I, to back up a little bit, we live neo-nomadically, mostly to get rid of rent and be able to do the podcast full-time. Traveling around, we're trying to find a place to settle. We really liked Oregon, but then they pass those gun laws so we like the pacific northwest we're looking at going to alaska and trying out southeast alaska god willing if god provides and i don't know what god's will is hopefully that's in his plan for us he tells me to move to new jersey tomorrow hopefully i'll have the courage and fortitude to do that anyway looking at going to alaska god willing And I wasn't really thinking about it in the parameters of a gun fighting rifle, but I should have, I want a rifle to hunt Alaska with. And I was looking at all these criteria and I was looking at a CZ 600. I don't think I realized how new that gun was. And one of the patrons wisely pointed out to me, hey, that gun is a new design, it's not proven. And he's absolutely right. I might not be at it from like a tactical standpoint, but I should be. I've killed a few bear. I've never dealt with the size of bear I might be encountering in a very high population areas in some of the islands of Alaska we're looking at going to. My life would be on the line from a completely different kind of adversary than a meth addict that's trying to kill me or an active shooter that just wants to cause as much loss of life as possible. But still very much on the line, and he's right. I shouldn't go with an unproven platform, and you shouldn't either. If you're looking for, again, these is not range toys. If you just want a cool new gun, that new rock island that came out that's radically different, it may be a great gun. It may be a complete abomination and waste of money. If you want it as a collector, if you want it as a range toy to go see how it works, that's fine. But I would never advise you to go get that and start carrying it as a gunfighting gun. That's a solid criteria. And three years is a general rule. Usually, in three years, if it has issues, other people will have noticed it. They will have addressed it if it's a good manufacturer and corrected it, or that model will go away. If it's a really, really good model, it's probably not going away in three years. Do you want to have the most cutting-edge thing, or do you want to have the proven, reliable thing in a gunfight? Proven and reliable. That proven and reliable, and in three years is a general rule to me. Usually if something, again, has issues, they'll have addressed it or fixed it, or it'll come to the surface in that amount of time. That reliability, talking about that proven platform reliability. Glock 19, Smith & Wesson M&P. Or the Smith & Wesson M&P... AR-15s, the SCAR-16, the SCAR-17, proven reliable. The CZ Brens, I'm not sure how long they've been out, but I saw a bunch of people jumping on the CZ Bren bandwagon when they came out. Why? Because they're very similar to a SCAR, and they're like a third or half the price. Okay, again, if it's a range toy, that's fine. But until it's a proven platform, I don't want to go trusting my life to it. I don't want me or you to be a beta tester in a gunfight. If your life's on the line, that's not the day to figure out, oh, this model probably should have a recall. Right? Let that stuff get worked out. The next criteria for me, I want that weapon to be more accurate than me. And you can apply that to you. I want that gun to be more accurate than me. If I miss, I want it to be on me and not on the gun. And I'm going to say something that might sound... Well, I'm just going to say it because it's true. I can outshoot pretty much any factory Glock. Most people will say, oh, a handgun is way more accurate than most people. Yeah, by God's grace, he's blessed me with a lot of gifts and talents, and I try and use them. I'm not most people. State rifle and pistol champion several times over. My normal go-to standard when I go to the range to practice is 50-yard headshots, 10 in a row. I can, on a good day, shoot, you know, an inch inch and a half group inch and a quarter group at 25 yards standing offhand no support with a handgun my Glock can only do three inches at 25 yards it's half as accurate as me that's unacceptable to me Glock may be good enough for a general purpose patrol officer or something like that but I want that gun to be as accurate as I am that puts those off the table you're a really good rifle shooter you should want a rifle that's as accurate as you that's one of my criteria Handgun, mastering a handgun is a lot of dedication. Wherever you are at in your journey though, rifle, handgun, I'd encourage you to look for a platform that's as accurate as you are and push yourself to be better. Start a competition shooting with a Glock. First it was me by far that was holding me back, but you get to a point where you can outshoot a gun. With all the things on the market today, why would you let the gun limit you? doesn't just have to be about accuracy. If you are really fast at mag changes, and one gun you have to manipulate and change the grip of your hand to release that magazine, and another one you don't, why, with so many options on the market, why would you go with the gun that slowed you down? Unless, like, the other one just wasn't reliable. But if you have two equally reliable, accurate, good options, why would you choose the one that slowed you down when you could go with an option? that made you faster and more effective. If you're trained to the, be the best that you can be, do you not want to be as accurate and as fast as you can be? Do you not want to realize your potential, the talents and gifts that God's given you? you want to be held back by some platform? So, another criteria, rifle, handgun, don't let its parameters limit your abilities. Don't let its parameters limit your abilities. Now, sometimes you are limited by missions, mission parameters. Example, I was a Marine Corps infantryman. I got issued the rifle I was issued. By God's grace, I was already a state champion when I joined the Marine Corps at 17. Didn't matter, that's the rifle I had, that's the rifle I was issued. I went to war with it and did, by God's grace, what I could. That's a mission parameter. That's so. a mission sometimes I was undercover, clandestine. There's a limit to what I can carry. Likewise, day to day to take that to the extreme. If you said that I was going to get in a gunfight and I couldn't avoid it because avoiding it meant several innocent people would die, I'd most likely want a shotgun. If it was really long distance, longer than most defensive encounters, past 150 yards, I might want a rifle. I certainly wouldn't pick a handgun unless there was some crazy scenario that was perfectly tailored to it. i carry a handgun. I was just at Walmart, carried a handgun. I was just at the gym, carried a handgun. What I can have on me. That's the mission parameter for that. Likewise, I said, being the commander of a tactical team, my general go-to is an STI. That's a big, heavy gun. Most of the time, I was wearing a war belt. It's great for that. Great gun for that. If I was working undercover, sometimes I might be in a three-piece suit. Sometimes my guys just may be in a hoodie and jeans. They're undercover. Different mission parameters. So inside of those parameters... I talked about the reliability of the platform, but you need to make sure your gun is individually reliable. Some of the most proven guns as a group, as a manufacturer and model, can have issues. You can have a brand new Glock 19 straight from the factory, and I know the Glock lovers may think this is heresy, but it's not, and it could be broken. I've had Glocks straight from the factory that didn't work, and you might say that's not a thing you've only had 10 or 20 Glocks, but if you've in charge of departments or agencies where there's much bigger sample sizes you can get some that are defective right from the get-go and that could be yours you need to make sure that yours is reliable how by getting out and training with it and firing with it there's a lot more to that than just the reliability of the weapon but that's part of it you should bond with your weapon you should form bonds with your weapon and part of that is being able to trust that weapon and part of that is knowing not thinking not oh it's a glock 19 it's probably reliable but knowing for yourself that knowing pretty much as reliable as anything can be made by man who is flawed on this flawed earth it's fairly reliable you can know that by running it but reliable and reliable when fired by you with the ammo that you are going to run in it might shoot great when you are shooting Two-handed with the 115 grain Winchester white box ball ammo. What about when you're shooting it one-handed, weak hand, with your duty ammo? Does it work with that? You probably should know that, not just assume that. Is that platform, meaning it's magazine, because that's part of it, the ammunition profile, the ammunition grain, that load is reliable when fired by you and your handgun. And does it shoot point of aim, point of impact? You go out and do all this training with a 115 grain Winchester white box and then you load your fighting handgun with 135 grain plus P critical duty. And you have no idea where it shoots. I mean, it's going to shoot somewhere down range. But does it shoot where you're aiming? Probably should know that. Also, does it even feed that bullet profile? Because that's a much different bullet profile, that truncated cone. It's a good profile. But it's much different than that rounded nose of 115 grain ball ammo. Does your gun even like that ammo? Does it even feed it reliably? You should know that. And if it doesn't, we're talking about choosing what makes a good fighting handgun. Maybe that's not the right fighting handgun for you. For a go-to fighting handgun, what about support? Support of the platform. This includes magazines. Can you get magazines? Are they readily available? Let's say you're concealed carrying. You say, all I need is one mag in the gun and then a spare mag. Magazines go bad. You know They have a finite shelf life, generally. They're like antibiotics or gasoline. They don't just last forever. You should have your go-to loadout, whatever that is. That may be just two mags for you, uh, concealed carry. The one in your handgun and a spare. If you're talking a fighting platform for an AR, that may be seven magazines. You shouldn't just have that many. You should have a couple in reserve and be able to acquire more. Whether that's your own supply chain, meaning you already have them, or you can get them readily. And the more specialized that magazine is, the more you should have. Like for instance, a STI 2011. Those mags are a lot harder to get than a Glock mag. So I have not just my duty loadout, but several more. If one tends to go bad, okay, I have a couple more in reserve. If you have your Glock loadout, maybe have one in reserve when one goes bad, but they're easy to get, especially nowadays, but you get what I'm saying. You could have some really good fighting handgun, but that's really obscure and takes some really obscure magazines that you can't get. You only have to, and then one goes bad and then what you have one good magazine. So you get what I'm saying there with support and being able to support that platform. There's more than just the magazines. If you shoot a lot, As you should if you taught yourself a gunfighter. Shoot a lot. Dry fire a lot. Parts break. right? Parts have a shelf life. You know, recoil springs. You might have to change those every 1,000 rounds, every 2,000 rounds, every 5,000 rounds. Yeah, they're supposed to be changed like oil. You don't just buy your brand new truck and say, I'm just going to ride this forever. You have to maintain it. And ammo is not the only thing you have to buy. You should... Wear out parts if you are a gunfighter and you train. The parts that you know either have to or are likely to need to get changed out. Recoil springs, even glocks, you know, go so who knows how many rounds without cleaning. You're still supposed to change the recoil spring, depending on what source you look at every three to 5,000 rounds. So probably should have a spare one or two of those. Extractors, they break. Trigger springs, you're talking 1911, mainspring. Firing pin spring and front sight. Front sights break if you're not running an optic. You know, front sights break, they get smashed into stuff. You drop your gun if you're running. Front sights can absolutely break, and a handgun without a front sight is kind of a guessing game, right? Maybe have a spare front sight for your gun. So, maybe have a spare front sight. How about this? And maybe I got this because I grew up a poor redneck in the south, but it wasn't uncommon back then for somebody to have. Let's say a work truck and then they have an old beat up parts truck of a similar model broken down in the backyard that they got for cheap from a junkyard or whatever. When you need an alternator, you go pull an alternator off the other truck. If you busted out a tail light, then you go grab a taillight from the other truck. You need a radiator coolant hose, you go grab it off the other truck. That's a pretty common thing. One thing that I would suggest to you, if you have a go-to fighting gun, AR- handgun, whatever it is, have a very similar backup. That way you can either switch to it entirely or cannibalize it to keep your primary gun running. If your bolt has a catastrophic failure, just grab a bolt out of the other AR. Or just switch to that other AR. You're going through a training class that you spent who knows how much on or that your department paid for you and it's a once in a who knows how long opportunity and you're gun goes out on the first or second day, we'll switch to that other platform. Or cannibalize it and keep your primary gun running. Same with a handgun, and it's gotta be similar enough. I have two STI 2011s. They're not the exact same model, but they're pretty close. They may have a slightly different model, different dust cover, but for all intents and purposes, for practical purposes, like if you're a Glock person, Maybe you have a Glock 17 and a Glock 19, and your primary carry is a 19, but, you know, if something happens to it, the extractor goes out, and you can just pop in the other extractor, or you just say, you know what, today I'm going to carry the Glock 17. So if you have that, maybe consider having two. If 1911 is your platform, maybe consider having two. Your extractor goes out of tune, which is a thing that happens on 1911s, no worries. I'll grab my other one when I have time I'll tune that extractor or buy a new one and we'll be back in business and here's where I want to transition to what's more important whatever gun you have the gun doesn't fight the fight you fight the fight the gun fighter is the dangerous part of that equation you can lay whatever gun it is on a table and that table will rot into the ground and that gun will fall and nothing will happen that gun won't do anything without you so train with your gun So you can train yourself better So you can be a better, more effective gunfighter And be acquainted and be familiar with that gun I talked about having too And I say many times I'm not a gun collector If you have a gun that works for you A platform that works for you Let's say you're a Smith & Wesson m guy We get a backup Smith & Wesson m and Instead of going out and chasing Oh, Rock Island just came out with this thing Or H&K just came out with this thing If you want to do that, that's fine. You do what you want with your disposable income. You're a grown man. But looking at it as a practical gunfighter, maybe spend that money on a backup platform to that and then a case or two of ammo and go out and train. This isn't Hollywood. This isn't, I don't know, John Wick or whatever. You're not going to have an overcoat full of handguns. What movie was that? Uh, Probably a few, but The Matrix, where he opens up a trench coat and has like tons of guns. You're going to fight with a long gun, a handgun at a time. That's it. Whatever your primaries are I'm not saying you can't have other ones Or mission specific ones I talked about in that in the beginning But be good with them Train with them Be familiar with them Bond with them Like any other relationship You get to know them You spend time with them So I talked about in the beginning I was going to take the financial hit Of not having commercials in this episode So hopefully you'll give me a little bit of your time And hear about this now Before we get into the tactical tip And the tactical verse of the day I hope you see some value. You certainly gave me some of your time, which is a precious resource. And I am truly humbled by that. I'm humbled that you come here for advice. I truly am humbled by all the things God allowed me to do and survive in this world. And I hope to share that with you. If you want to support that message, if you think it's worth having out there, and you want me to do it more than a couple of times a year, which is what I did for years I did this at a financial loss while I was professionally gunfighting. And you got a couple episodes a year. Then a man out there listening contacted me and said, Hey, can I step up and support the podcast? And I was really humbled and taken back. I thought if somebody was willing to support the podcast, maybe it's more impactful and I should try and focus on doing that. And instead of doing it a couple of times a year, between the podcast Simple Man Sermons Gunfighter Life Alpha Male Podcast by God's grace, most of the time give you 5, 6, maybe 7 episodes a week of new content that requires a lot of my time, you may think a 30 minute podcast only takes 30 minutes, but it takes far longer, trust me so if you want to support the podcast, if you think the message is worth supporting you glean something from it maybe you'll consider stepping up and becoming a patron mostly, I want you to do it because you believe in the message and want to support it But also, patrons do get some pretty cool insider content. For instance, this episode, they already have it. Put it out to them before I even recorded this part they had this episode. And they get a lot of episodes that I think are good ones, more substantial, commercial-free, and early. That's just one thing. We have an insider group chat where we chat about guns and stuff like this all the time. It's not just me telling them what they should do or what they should get or how they should do this. It's iron sharpening iron. It's us as a tribe helping each other be better. As men, as gunfighters If that's something you want to be a part of Or you just want some of the cool insider content I'm doing a series right now, Dry Fire with Melito Where I give some tips on dry firing in video form and picture form Anyway, for any of those reasons If if you feel compelled to give Check out Patreon, there should be a link in the show notes Patreon Also you can just go to goodshepherdtraining.com Either one of those Again, there should be a link down in the show notes or goodshepherdtraining.com. With that, I'm going to plug in the tactical tip and the tactical verse of the day. If you have it compelled in your heart to give, then give. And if not, then don't and don't feel guilty about it. All right, transitioning out of that into the tactical tip of the day. Talking about gum fighting, if you're learning mag changes, tack reloads, speed reloads, emergency reloads, Get the basics down, get the fundamentals down, master the fundamentals. And then maybe when you're progressing off of that, from then on when you start practicing your mag changes, move when you do it. Because if you're practicing for gunfighting, if you're out of ammo, you very likely should move while you're reloading. Even if it's just one step, even if it's to simulate stepping behind cover, but that'll get you in that mindset of, oh my gun's out or I need to do a mag change, tactical reload. I better move, seek cover, find cover, whatever the case may be. There is a time when you just need to reload that gun as fast as you can ASAP and not move. But in general, you're going to want to move when you're out of ammo. So make that part of your SOP, your training. If you're just trying to get faster and faster, yeah, just stand static and see how fast you can get your speed of reloads. If you're looking for an additional thing, step to the right, step to the left. Or continue to step to the right or continue to move to the left while you're reloading. And then when you're done, re-engage a target from whatever position you're in.
0: What if you could have a career where the opportunities are as vast as our nation, where it's not about mission statements, but a shared mission? At US Customs and Border Protection, we go beyond to protect more than borders, from ship to shore, air to ground, cities to local communities, CBP agents and officers are keeping people safe. Join U.S. Customs and Border Protection and go beyond for something far greater than yourself. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandsLots.com Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus
1: terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Tactical verse of the day. I will dwell in them and walk among them. I will be their God and they shall be my people. Therefore, come out from among them and be separate, says the Lord. Do not touch what is unclean and I will receive you. I will be a father to you, and you shall be my sons and daughters," says the Lord Almighty. Thanks for listening, men, and have a blessed day.
0: Lucky Land Casino
1: asking people, "What's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky?"
0: Lucky in line at the deli, I guess. Aha! In my dentist's office.